Church family, let's just take a moment right now and realize something. If you're here this morning and I see you here or you're watching us online, it means that you made it through 2020. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, you know, as I was thinking of what I wanted to share this morning as I talked with the elders uh, about that, how would we begin 2021? You know, this, this past year has been a year of uh, tremendous uncertainty. We, we, we've seen it. Pastor Jason has prayed about it already. It's a year that we saw a lot of change. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a message to us, a, a message that talks about, well, first and foremost, how we can have some certainty in the midst of uncertainty in an ever-changing world. But then we're also going to talk about how in 2021, we do hope and we do pray that we will see some things in us change. So I'm going to do two things. We're going to talk about something that never should change, and then we're going to talk about something that we pray we would see, see change. Because I want to start with this. Pandemic or no pandemic? Democratic president, Republican president. Strong economy, weak economy. Face masks, no face masks. There's one thing that remains consistent for us. There is one thing, church, that today you can say, you know what, no matter what comes in 2021, there's something that does not change. And it is very simply this. Today and always, Jesus Christ is on his throne and he has placed a calling and given a purpose to every single one of our lives that will never change. Can I get an amen to that? And that's what I want to start with this morning. I want to start with a thing that never changes. We know this verse. It's one of the verses that we share often here at the church because it's at the core of who we are. Jesus, before he went back up into heaven, after his life, death, burial, and resurrection, he stood before his first followers 2,000 years ago and he said these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When I come before you this morning, I have great confidence that in a world that at times has been uncertain and changing so much, that come what may in 2021, this remains for us as the people of God. Two truths that we cling to. Jesus Christ has all the authority and all the power, and you have a mission and a purpose in your life if you are a follower of Jesus You see, we as the church are being told here by Jesus that while the world says that we as Christians are to be about many different things, at the end of the day, Jesus says you're to be about one thing. You're about living to make much of me, and you do that by living as my disciples, as my followers, and then going into the world and bringing other people into relationship with me. 
I think you all know if you've been around this church any period of time that one of my favorite passages of scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he came and he spoke similar words to Jesus. He took the mission that Jesus has for us, his people, and he framed it in this way. He said, for the love of Christ controls us. Not my love for Jesus, but Jesus' love for me controls us because we have concluded this. That he has, that one has died for all, and he died for all, that those who live would no longer live for who? Themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Just like Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples. Paul comes and he says the same thing. He says, do you know the answer to the question, why did Jesus Christ die for you? When you survey most believers on that question, if you said, why did Jesus Christ live, die, and then rise from the dead? Why did Jesus die for you? How would you answer that question? That is a significant question. And I think most people would give answers something along the lines of this. Jesus died to save me from the penalty of sin. Jesus died so that I wouldn't spend eternity in hell. Jesus died to make me a child of God. Jesus died to forgive my sins. Jesus died so, to show me his love for me. And, and if that's how you would answer that question, why did Jesus Christ die for you? I would say that none of those answers in and of themselves are wrong, but all of those answers are the result of what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has done for you. But why did he go through all of that? Why does he look to free you from, the, from sin's power? Why does he f- look to free you from sin's penalty? Why does he look to adopt you and to show his love to you? What's the purpose for Jesus Christ coming to this earth, being born, Emmanuel, God with us? Why did he die for us? You see, if you're not clear on that, you're not going to be clear on the mission that God has for us. But Paul gives us the answer. He says this, and he died for all so that those who now live that is, have new life in Jesus, would no longer live for who? Themselves, but for him. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth to live the life that he lived, to die the death that he died, to raise from the dead, was to free you and to free me from living for ourselves. That's what sin does. It turns us in upon ourselves. It takes us away from God's beautiful design for your life and my life, and it makes life about us. And when life is about you, that's not the life that you were created to have. And when Jesus says, all authorities on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples, Paul's saying, yes, Jesus' mission is true. Your life isn't about you. It's about returning to the state where now... You can live for the God who made you, who created you, so that you would no longer live for yourself, but for him. This is why we come as a church and we say, our mission as a church is to glorify God by being and making disciples of our Lord Jesus. And friends, that's not going to change in 2021. That's not going to change in 2022. Forever and always, until Christ returns, This is what we are to be about. We have a great confidence knowing, no matter our age, if we're a five-year-old here today or we're an 85-year-old here today, the beautiful truth is the purpose of your life, the mission of your life in Jesus Christ is to live to make much of him. And being clear on this mission is so important because no matter, as I said, if there's a pandemic or not a pandemic, a Democratic president or a Republican president, it doesn't matter if the economy's strong or if the economy's weak. 
we understand that our purpose and our mission is to now no longer live for ourselves. You see, if we don't get that, then we only have a half-truth. And, a, and, a, and a, believing a half-truth as a Christian is having then a half-hearted Christianity. We get distracted. But we as a church, we get to come and say we're not distracted. You know, there's something that happened during the pandemic that was remarkable to me. Um, it's by no means a, a holy thing that I'm about to talk about or a, or a really spectacular thing, but I noticed something during the pandemic of the last year. Have any of you been to Chick-fil-A in 2021? If you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. I was amazed this year at something. Um, if I had a hankering for Chick-fil-A, I would pull in, and anybody see the lines at Chick-fil-A? They're huge. These lines, it's unbelievable. But I was amazed by one thing, how fast you could get through that Chick-fil-A line with all of those cars. I marveled. I'm like, how do they do it? And then I realized something. Do you know what Chick-fil-A's mission statement is? Chick-fil-A is absolutely clear, whether there's a pandemic or not a pandemic, on what they exist to be and do. Let me just read it to you. Be America's best quick service restaurant. That's their mission statement. And I say, great job, Chick-fil-A. You're doing exactly what you were called to do. Because when they hire people, when a pandemic sets in, no matter what happens, Chick-fil-A is laser focused on one thing. We want to be America's best quick service restaurant. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about quality of food or anything like that. If you don't like Chick-fil-A, that's totally fine, right? This isn't a salvation issue. What I'm saying, though, is this. You can see... When a group of people are clear that they're about one thing, how effective they can be. And what our desire as a church is this, that we would always be so clear on the mission that God has given to us. Because number one, it's who we were created to be in Jesus Christ. Number two, it gives us a stability it gives us a focus that when everything else is chattering, when it seems like the world is pulling us in all these directions, we say, no, 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 no. We're about living for Jesus. We're about welcoming other people and making him known to others. That's our mission. We're not going to be distracted. Church, this is what doesn't change in the year ahead. But as we consider this, I now want to invite you to consider something, though, that should change. Something that should look different from year to year. So Dave, you just took a lot of time talking about the fact that one thing doesn't change. But there's something that should change. i got to come over here and, and grab it. I want to I begin by showing you something that was in my in-law's house for a number of years. This was a, a board. You're like, wow, that's amazing. Good job, Dave. you got a board, all right? There's something to it. For those of you who are in the back, you're probably not going to be able to see this too clearly, but I wanted to show you this board because this was in my in-law's garage, and you're going to see lines on the board, and then you're going to see names next to the lines, and then you're going to see dates next to the names. Anybody want to guess what this board was used for? Yeah, yeah it was a growth chart, right? It, my in-laws, every so often throughout the year, would take the girls out into the garage, and they would line them up next to this board, and they would measure their their height, and then they would mark their height on this board. And they did this so the girls could see how much they had grown, how much they had changed from one year to the next. And, and it's a fun thing to look at. Even have the girls stand up to this board now, uh, they're, they're even taller than what these markings indicate. You know, 
we anticipate in our lives that there are some things that we do desire to see change in. We do desire to see growth. Our mission as a church doesn't change. It always remains the same because it's what Jesus Christ has called us to. But there are some things that we do want to see change in. If you're a parent of children, you hope to see change in your children over time. You want to see educational growth, right? You would hope that your first grader knows a little bit more when they're in eighth grade. We expect that. We hope for that. Um, if you've got any money in the stock market, one of our desires is to see change in that number from, from year to year. If you're an athlete, you know that as you train, you want to see yourself progress. You hope that if you put in the effort and the exercise that you will see change within your body to accomplish certain tasks. We accept that in so many other areas. We're, we're content with change there. But did you know that there's one area of your life that is more significant than all others? One area of your life where we want to see change, where we want to see growth. And it actually comes out of the mission that God has given to us. And that is our spiritual lives. What I want to cast for you in the next few moments is this, a vision for 2020 that involves your spiritual growth. As we look to the year ahead, as we look to be a people who cling to an unchanging mission, there is one thing that flows from our mission as disciples of Jesus Christ that I believe God is calling us to see change in and to see growth in, and that's in our spiritual lives. And when I talk about spiritual growth, a lot of people aren't really maybe clear on what that means. So let me define what what we're going to be talking about spiritual growth as. It's to know more of Jesus and to look more like Jesus. I'm not talking the long hair and the robe, right? I'm talking his character, his, his speech. To know more of Jesus and look more like Jesus a year from now than you do today. I want to propose for you this morning that out of all the areas where we encourage growth, where we want to see change, as we enter into 2021, with all the uncertainty of our world, there is one thing that, that we should consider very seriously and focus on in the year ahead, and that's our spiritual growth. And, and let me tell you the reasons why we want to emphasize that this year. Number one is this. Why do we pursue spiritual growth? First, because God calls us to spiritual growth. God calls us to spiritual growth. This goes back to the thing that Jesus said to his disciples. How much authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, everybody? How much? All authority. He's the ruler over all. He's the one who, who, who has all the authority over your life and my life. And when we read the scriptures, we see that God calls us to not remain stagnant where we're at in our spiritual lives, but to see continued growth. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, but grow. Can't get any more clear than that. God speaks to us and says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul comes and he says the same thing in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. An active walking in Him. But then he says this, rooted Okay, I want to be secure in Jesus and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Peter says it. 
Paul says it, inspired by God, don't stay where you're at in your spiritual life, in your relationship with the Lord. And then he says to Timothy, Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, rather train yourself for godliness, Timothy. Train yourself, develop your godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of, of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Last night, two dear saints went home to be with the Lord. That's what Pastor John was just praying about. I was thinking about these two sweet ladies and and their walk with Jesus, the time that they gave themselves to studying the Word in, in this life. Right now, those two women are getting to actually experience this. They're getting to experience how the spiritual growth and their knowledge of Jesus Christ is now carrying over into eternity. Paul says it has benefit in this life and the life to come. God calls us to this. Your wish is my command. If the King of kings and the Lord of lords is calling us to something, we should hear him and we should say this is important. But As God does in his word consistently, he never just simply calls us to something. He often gives us the reason why he calls us to it. You see, spiritual growth is also, this is a big one. This is is always something that I I just got to pause and say, listen to this, and then let me explain it. Spiritual growth is an indication of your salvation. Why emphasize spiritual growth? Why should we desire to see change in our spiritual lives from year to year? Why should we look to know more of Jesus and reflect more of Jesus in 2021 than we did in 2020? It's because, well, Jesus said it this way in John 15, 1. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear what? More fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus here is saying, if you truly know me, if you're in me, if you abide in me, if we have the relationship where I am your Savior and I am your Lord, If grace has come down to you and delivered you out of darkness and into light, you will see fruit in your life as you continue to abide in me. But he says this, and this is like a warning passage. I don't like these warning passages in the Bible. But he says, if there's no fruit in your life, if you don't see the change in your life, then then what might be happening here is you weren't saved to begin with. You weren't really in, in me. We believe wholeheartedly as a church that a person is only saved through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through the work that he has done that we are justified. As long as we live in this world, sin still exists. One day, though, we're going to experience glorification. That glorification is when we're freed from all sin, from its presence, from its power, from its penalty, forever. But between our justification and our glorification, we walk in this process of sanctification. And as we come to know more of the work that Jesus has done in delivering us, as we live that out, Jesus is saying that should be an indication of the salvation that you've come to know. Paul would write to the Corinthian church the importance of this. 
to examine your fruit, he would say, this is 2 Corinthians 13.5. Write this down. I don't think it was in your notes this morning. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. faith. Test yourselves in this. Peter would say again in 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, and we're going to look at that passage in just a minute, if you, if you live out this new life that you have in Jesus, he says, you will never fail, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can know of the great salvation that's mine in Jesus as, as I see growth in my life. Christmas Day was uh, a wee bit exciting for the Wajniki family because we were the adults inside um, finishing up our meal. The kids had gone outside. And our youngest daughter all of a sudden came inside with our second oldest daughter right behind her. And our youngest daughter came in with a hand on one cheek and a pool of blood spilling down the other one. That's the sight I like to see on Christmas Day, don't you? Now, she wasn't really crying or anything. We're trying to make sense of what just happened. What just happened was she was outside, and the neighbor cat was, was on the, the wall, and, and she had just kind of walked up to the wall, had gotten about this far away from the cat. The cat looked at her, jumped at her, and just boom, grabbed her on the side of the face, puncturing her on both of her, of her cheeks. One wound is was pretty deep. And that's where the blood was coming from. So, so we did our best to, to clean it up. But listen, um, I can go either way on cats and dogs, all right? Like I'm not a cat person. I'm not a dog person. I'm not, gonna, I'm not speaking ill of cats in this moment, but I'm saying this. They are disgusting animals. What I mean by that is this. I don't, don't mean that. Doctors will tell you, right? See, Elaine, they're, 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 they're they, they, they're dirty, they're, they're paws and their and mouths and stuff. And so any doctor says, man, if you get a puncture wound by that, you got to watch for infection. So we watched for the signs of infection. By the next day, we're like, yeah, we got to take her in. And so we took her in and they put her on antibiotics and she started taking the antibiotics. And we got to watch. We got to examine to see if the medication was actually doing its work in her. You know how we knew? Because the, uh, I don't want to gross you guys out. Do you want to be grossed out? No, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch those YouTube things, don't you? You're like, yeah. No. It's, you know, the, the, the wound with the pus slowly, yeah, there you go. I said it. Pus on Sunday morning. It began to, to go away with each passing day. The redness, the irritation went, and we see the wound healing. Why? Because the antibiotic got into her system. It started to do its work. There were signs, there were indications that the infection was going away. In the same way, what we see here in Scripture time and time again is this truth. If you're in the faith, you're going to see marks, you're going to see indications that the Spirit is doing its work. And one of the indications is you're growing. You're knowing more of Him. You're displaying more of Jesus from one year to the next. But don't leave church this morning thinking that I have to grow in order to be saved. Are you, are you hearing me on that, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is as the Spirit does its work, we should see. Well, like on this board, I know my girls are, are healthy. I know that things are happening the way that they should as they go from one year to the next. Spiritual growth is an indication of our salvation Spiritual growth is a calling upon God. Here's one last point as far as why we're called to spiritual growth. Spiritual growth 
helps us be effective disciples. As we give ourselves to the pursuit of spiritual growth, God tells us, turn over to 2 Peter here, 2 Peter chapter 1. This passage is is so key to, to the development of our understanding of what Christ has done. If you read this passage, you see the the first three, four verses in 2 Peter. Peter comes and says, this is what Jesus has done for you, what his power is made available. But then you come down to verses 8 and 9. And he talks about as you you grow in verses 4 through 7, as you demonstrate these, these different characteristics, he says this, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing... That means if you're growing in these areas, notice what he says. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of God, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Do you see that? Spiritual growth, it enables you to be effective as a follower of Jesus. God has given us this calling to spiritual growth so that we can be effective. Effective in combating temptation. When Jesus Christ was here on this earth, was he tempted? Let me ask that one more time. When Jesus Christ was here on this earth, was he tempted? Yes, he was. One of the clearest marks of that was when he spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness. And during that time, Satan came to him and he tempted him in some very specific ways. Ways that that Jesus, in the weakness of the moment, could potentially give into that sin. But every time that Satan came with one of those temptations, every time he dangled something to get Jesus' eyes off the Father, Jesus combated the temptations of Satan with what? Anybody know? The Scriptures. How could Jesus combat the temptation? Because he knew the Scriptures. The Gospels tell us that as he was a young man, Jesus grew in stature and favor with God and with man. Jesus didn't come into this world as a fully formed human being, grown up adult with all the knowledge. He could have accessed that in his divinity, but instead it says that he grew as we grow, and he even grew in his knowledge of the word. And when temptation came, he combated it. How can we be effective? Spiritual growth is one of the ways that we live as effective disciples. It makes us effective in enduring trials. Trials can either tear us down or they can build us up. If we know the word, if we're growing spiritually, we identify trials as an opportunity to persevere and to dependence upon Jesus and to show his sufficiency in our lives. Spiritual growth makes us effective in sharing the gospel. During the summer when we went through the book of 1 Peter, we came across this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that lies within you. How can we defend the gospel? How can we relay it? If there's growth in us spiritually. Because we've come to know the word, to study the word. Why this vision for spiritual growth? Well, we could just say simply because God calls us to it. That should be enough. But God calls us to it because he knows that as you see spiritual growth in your life, you can have a confidence in the salvation that has worked in you. And, and because God knows that as you grow spiritually, it helps you to be uh, effective in, in combating temptations and fighting the trials of life and being a witness to the gospel. But there's more to it than this. See, 
It's okay for us to know what needs to be done. But the question is, how do we do it, right? How does spiritual growth happen? And that's what I want to close with. And I, and I want to give you just four things. The first one is the great and glorious news of all. You say, Dave, I see the importance of spiritual growth. I want to make a commitment to it in 2021 because I know it's God's calling on my life as I look to live as a disciple. But how does it actually happen? Well, here's the great and glorious news. The, the very first point, write this down mark this. Here's the truth. God provides for you and for me the grace and the power for our spiritual growth. This is a, this is a profound thing. Spiritual growth happens first and foremost in us, not because we're great and glorious, not because we're capable, but because God has given us the grace and the power necessary to know more of Jesus by the end of 2021, to look more like Jesus by the end of 2021 than we do today. I'm really looking forward to 2021, and here's one of the reasons why. My oldest child turned 16, and she will get her driver's license, Lord willing. Now, some of you are like, are you serious? You want your child to have a driver's license? Yes, I so desperately do. Part of that is because she's trustworthy, she's responsible. I have more confidence in her than she probably does. But I can't wait for her to be able to drive her siblings places, and then mom and I can stay at home, right? I'm selfish like that. But here's the thing. When my oldest child goes to get into a car, I can provide the car for her. The car can have an engine, it can have wheels, and it can run. Anybody know, though, that that car needs one thing if it's going to make her move? What does it need in order to actually run? Gas. It needs gas. Now, any of you young people here today know that gas costs money, doesn't it, right? And so if your parents don't pay for it, you've got to find a way to pay for it. But a car doesn't run without the fuel that's necessary. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is the fuel he provides the grace. He provides the power for our spiritual growth. And you say, Dave, where do you get that? I'm making it up. No, I'm not making it up. Look at God's word. First Peter chapter, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Where's the power? Where's the grace? Where's what's necessary for life in this world? It says it's found in him. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There's our salvation. Here's our sanctification, verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright lives in this present age. Dave, how can we grow spiritually if you don't have the grace of God in your life? If you don't have the power of the Spirit indwelling you, there ain't going to be no growth. The car ain't moving. But praise be to God that in and through Jesus Christ, every person in this room who knows Him as Lord and Savior has that grace, has that power in their life because of what Jesus Christ has done. The grace of God is not going to appear. The grace of God, Paul says, has appeared. It's yours. That's the good news. You have to get that. The only way the spiritual growth is going to happen is because he has provided the grace. But no sooner do I say that than I don't want us to say, oh, great, so the grace and power is going to be there, so I just sit back, relax, and I enjoy the show. 
Is, is there any part that we play? Yes, there is. Because while he's provided that grace and power, he's also provided the means for us. Notice in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. After he says the power is there for us, verse 5 says, For this reason, because you've escaped the corruption from, of this world, because you have this divine nature now, for this reason, you make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. You've got the grace, you've got the power, but now you and I are being called. We're being called to make the investment in our spiritual life. There's activities that we must engage in to see spiritual growth take place. In education, we believe this to be true. In athletics, we believe in the investment. In our jobs, we believe this to be true. In regards to our health, we see that we have to take action in the same way God says, the grace is there, the power is there. Now, walk in that grace, walk in that power, and here's how we do it. First and foremost, we study the word of God to know more of Jesus. It's the means that he has provided. You want to grow spiritually? It doesn't happen in the absence of knowledge. You and I need the knowledge, and here is the only place where we can ascertain it. A knowledge of God is found right here. This is why Peter says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him. That's why Paul says to Timothy, train yourself in godliness. The word of God is our means of knowing him more. You can't just simply lay it on your head and go to sleep at night, put it on your iPhone and fall asleep to hearing the word of God and think, oh, I'm just going to get it from that. No, we as the people, listen, if we're called to train ourselves in godliness, it means that there's going to be exertion. We're going to have to, well, Paul said it this way. We need to be transformed in the renewal of our minds. Our minds are renewed as we come to the Word of God. This year as a church, we're going to do something I'm really looking forward to, to help us in this. This isn't just me coming to you this morning and saying, hey, you know what? Study the Word of, word of God to know more of Him. I, I want to, on behalf of the elders, I want to provide something with you and invite you on a journey with me this upcoming year in, in how we can study the Word of God together. Maybe you have a way of doing it. Maybe you're going to participate in a connection group. Maybe you're going to participate in a women's or men's Bible studies. But I also want to encourage you to consider this. This year we're providing something called the Valley Center Community Church Bible Reading Plan. It's one chapter, one day, all year long. And you can get access to this when you leave this morning, right out at the welcome table. We have these Bible reading plans. It's online now. You can go to the website. You can access the Bible reading plan. But it's one chapter each day of the year. It's not a read through the whole Bible, okay? Because... Because some of you are like, I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year, right? And how many of you have, have made that commitment and then got to Leviticus and stopped, right? Like, it's like, I'm a... So, so here's what we're doing. We're reading one chapter a day. And the cool thing about this, if I can use that word, is that there are questions for you to ask, to ask the text, to help you to study and to ascertain what is it, God, that you're wanting to teach me. But then here's my favorite part of this Bible reading plan. There's questions to ask others at VCCC. 
So you can go up to somebody and you're like, oh, it's January 18th. We're reading John 15 today. Um, What did you enjoy from this week's reading? (laughs) What did you learn about God? What challenged you? The idea is that we can encourage one another in this. And it doesn't mean that if you miss one day, you got to go back and read it all. The idea is this is here for you. Because we're going to take our spiritual growth seriously because God calls us to it. And this is one of the ways we can do it. There's hard copies of this. This is online. And then we also have an app as a church that you can access. It's called the Church Center app. We've highlighted it before. You can go into the Android store or the the, uh, Apple store and you can download this app. It's free. It's just called Church Center. And it invites you to put in the name of our church. You put in the name of our church. If you've put in a prayer request or you've signed up for something in the past, your name's already on there. And the Bible reading plan is right there, so you don't even have to have this piece of paper. You could be sitting there. Don't, I was going to say at a stoplight. Don't, 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 don't do it then, okay? But you could, be, you could be sitting somewhere, and you're just like twiddling your thumbs, and you could scroll through the news and get depressed. Or you could go on the app and say, oh, it's, it's Genesis 3 today. Click on that. And you could just read it right where you're at. I want to challenge you to study the Word of God, to know more of Jesus Paul wrote to the Romans these words, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. These scriptures right here, God's word, doesn't just simply help you to know God more. It helps you to grow in hope. But then there's this. Spiritual growth happens as we apply the word of God through obedience. Through obedience. It's not just simply hearing the word, but being doers of the word. That's why the questions in the Bible reading plans are questions that ask you, how is God calling you to respond? Philippians 2 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, as you've always obeyed now, not just in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's not you who work, but it's God who works in you. And so we're not just going to study the word of God. We're going to say, what would it look like to reflect the word of God? to walk in obedience to him. This is our challenge. This is how spiritual growth happens. We read the word, we apply the word through obedience to what it says. And then finally we come to this. We communicate with God through prayer. Spiritual growth happens as we study the word of God, as we hear from him, but then as we communicate with him. As we, I love what Pastor John said earlier, right before his prayer. Did you hear it? He says, would you join with me as we talk to God now? Our God, he's living, he's active, he wants to hear from you, he wants to hear from me. And so one of the things we're going to do this year is to help us cultivate our prayer lives. I don't know about you, but, but I've had many people come say, I don't know how to pray, I feel awkward when I pray. Starting next week for four weeks, the first series of the new year that we're going to do as a church is we're going to do a series of messages called Bold We Approach. And we're going to look at God's word and we're going to look at what it has to say about prayer. Because at church, we gather for worship, we grow spiritually, we give of our time, treasures, and talents, we go into the world sharing the gospel, but then we also pray. So we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to hear what God has to say to us about prayer. And then if you say, but I don't know how to pray, how do I do it? Oh, wouldn't you know it? We have a prayer guide this year too. I feel like I'm hawking things up here, but I'm not. I'm just saying, listen, if you don't have the tools or the resources to to know, how do I study the Word of God? We want to provide it for you. If you say, I don't know how to communicate with God, this prayer guide right here, again, it's available online. 
It's here. It's on our app. It has different things that you can pray for each day. Mondays, we invite you to pray for the church family. And there are things that you can pray. Tuesday, we invite you to pray for the church leaders. Wednesday, for our missionaries. Thursday, for our community. Friday, for our families. Saturday, for our government officials. Sunday, to pray for yourself. If you don't know how to pray, this is here for you. How encouraging would it be that as you're praying on a specific day of the week to know that others in this church family are praying the same things? What a powerful movement we will see of God in this church and this community as we engage in the gift of prayer. I didn't want to come to you at the start of 2021 and say, all right, church, God calls us to grow spiritually. Now go and grow and just leave it at that. We wanted to come to you as elders and pastors and say, we're so serious about this. We want to encourage you in it. This is one of the core values of our church that we want to walk alongside. We want to join you in this journey. I don't know how you could do it. I don't encourage you to maybe write on the walls of your home. But when you think about spiritual growth for the upcoming year, my encouragement is somewhere, maybe it's in your Bible, maybe, maybe it's in a journal that you take, somewhere that you can mark and say, this year, my desire is to see myself grow and knowing more of Jesus and looking more like Jesus. And Lord, here's how I hope to see that happen. I hope that it would start with you taking advantage of these things. But church, this is a journey that God will have us in together. One that I am excited to see a year from now where he has us as we would measure our growth in him. Because as I started this message with, one died for all. And he died for all that those who live would no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised so that you could have this new life that includes seeing you and seeing me come to know more of Jesus and look more like Jesus a year from now than we do today. May God help us in this journey. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you at this first Sunday of 2021. And Lord, I can guarantee that even in my own heart, as I came to preach this week, as I prepared this message, I just kept hearing news, things that were happening in our world. And my, my heart was pulled in, in so many different ways. But Lord, I, I thank you that amidst everything that is happening in our world, that Lord, there are some things that remain unchanged for us that we cling to and that we keep our focus on, and is that you are on your throne, that you reign supreme, and you've given us a mission and a purpose. And that you've also placed upon us a calling to see ourselves grow. Because, Lord, as we grow in you, Lord, we know that we become effective disciples. We get to have great hope and encouragement in, in seeing our salvation worked out. And it makes us, Lord, those who are more able to clearly articulate the gospel to the lost. So, Lord, would you help Valley Center Community Church? Would you help my brothers and sisters? Would you help me this year? to recognize the grace, the power that is ours, and to pursue growth in you. For the praise and glory of your name, we ask it. And all God's people said, amen.